Chapter One: A History of the Philippines. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Philippines by David Barrows. Chapter One: The Ph Philippines as a Subject for Historical Study. Purpose of this book: This book has been written for the young men and young women of the Philippines. It is intended to introduce them to the history of their own island country. The subject of Philippine history is much broader and more splendid than the size and character of this little book reveal. Many subjects have only been briefly touched upon, and there are many sources of information, old histories, letters, and official documents, which the writer had not time and opportunity to study in the preparation of this work. It is not too soon, however, to present a history of the Philippines, even though imperfectly written, to the Philippine people themselves. And if this book serves to direct young men and young women to a study of the history of their own island country, it will have fulfilled its purpose. The Development of the Philippines and of Japan In many ways, the next decade of the history of the Philippine islands may resemble the splendid development of the neighboring country of Japan. Both countries have, in, t in past times, been isolated more or less from the life and thought of the modern world. Both are now open to the full current of human affairs. Both countries promise to play an important part in the politics and commerce of the Far East. Geographically, the Philippines occupy the more central and influential position, and the success of the institutions of the Philippines may react upon the countries of southeastern Asia and Malaysia to an extent that we cannot appreciate or foresee. Japan, by reason of her larger population, the greater industry of her people, a more orderly social life, and devoted public spirit, is at the present time far in the lead. The Philippines But the Philippines possess certain advantages which, in the course of some years, may tell strongly in her favor. There are greater natural resources, a richer soil, and more tillable ground. The population, while not large, is increasing rapidly, as rapidly, in fact, as the population of Japan or of Java. And in the character of her institutions, the Philippines have certain advantages. The position of woman, while unfortunate in Japan, as in China and nearly all eastern countries, in the Philippines is most fortunate, and is certain to tell effectually upon the advancement of the race in competition with other eastern civilizations. The fact that Christianity is the established religion of the people makes possible a sympathy and understanding between the Philippines and Western countries. Japan Yet there are many lessons which Japan can teach the Philippines, and one of these is of the advantages and rewards of fearless and thorough study. Fifty years ago, Japan, which had rigorously excluded all intercourse with foreign nations, was induced to open its doors by an American fleet under Commodore Perry. At that time, the Japanese knew little of Western history, and had no knowledge of modern science. Their contact with the Americans and other foreigners revealed to them the inferiority of their knowledge. The leaders of the country awoke to the necessity of a study of Western countries and their achievements, especially in government and in the sciences. Japan had at her service a special class of people known as the samurai, who in the life of old Japan were the free soldiers of the feudal nobility, and who were not only the fighters of Japan, but the students and scholars as well. The young men of this samurai class threw themselves earnestly and devotedly into the study of the great fields of knowledge, which had previously been unknown to the Japanese. 
at great sacrifice many of them went abroad to other lands in order to study in foreign universities numbers of them went to the united states frequently working as servants in college towns in order to procure the means for the pursuit of their education the japanese government in every way began to adopt measures for the transformation of the knowledge of the people schools were opened laboratories established and great numbers of scientific and historical books were translated into japanese a public school system was organized and finally a university was established the government sent abroad many young men to study in almost every branch of knowledge and to return to the service of the people the manufacturers of japan studied and adopted western machinery and modern methods of production the government itself underwent revolution and reorganization upon lines more liberal to the people and more favorable to the national spirit of the country the result has been the transformation in less than fifty years of what was formerly an isolated and ignorant country the lesson for the filipinos this is the great lesson which japan teaches the philippines if there is to be transformation here with the constant growth of knowledge and advancement and an elevation of the character of the people as a whole there must be a courageous and unfaltering search for the truth and the young men and women of the philippines must seek the advantages of education not for themselves but for the benefit of their people and their land not to gain for themselves a selfish position of social and economic advantage over the poor and less educated filipinos but in order that having gained these advantages for themselves they may in turn give them to their less fortunate countrymen the young filipino man or woman must learn the lessons of truthfulness courage and unselfishness and in all of his gaining of knowledge and in his use of it as well he must practice this these virtues or his learning will be an evil to his land and not a blessing the aim of this book is to help him to understand first of all the place that the philippines occupy in the modern history of nations so that he may understand how far and from what beginnings the filipino people have progressed toward what things the outside world itself has moved during this time and what place and opportunities the filipinos as a people may seek for in the future the meaning of history history as it is written and understood comprises many centuries of human life and achievement and we must begin our study by discussing a little what history means men may live for thousands of years without having a life that may be called historical for history is formed only where there are credible written records of events until we have these records we have no ground for historical study but leave the field to another study which we call archaeology or prehistoric culture historical races thus there are great races which have no history for they have left no records either the people could not write or their writings have been destroyed or they told nothing about the life of the people the history of these races began only with the coming of a historical or more advanced race among them thus the history of the black or negro race begins only with the exploration of africa by the white race and the history of the american indians except perhaps of those of peru and mexico begins only with the white man's conquest of america the white or european race is above all others the great historical race but the yellow race represented by the chinese has also historical life and development beginning many centuries before the birth of christ for thousands of years the history of the white race was confined to countries bordering or adjacent to the mediterranean sea there was little contract with other races of men and almost no knowledge of countries beyond the mediterranean shores 
the great continents of america and australia and the beautiful island world of the pacific and indian oceans were scarcely dreamed of this was the status of the white race in europe a little more than five hundred years ago how different is the position of this race today it has now explored nearly the entire globe the white people have crossed every continent and every sea on every continent they have established colonies and over many countries their power during these last five centuries besides the spread of geographical discovery the mingling of all the races and the founding of great colonies have come also the development of scientific knowledge great discoveries and inventions the utilization of steam and electricity which give to man such tremendous power of the material world very important changes also have marked the religious and political life of the race within these years came the protestant revolt from the roman catholic church destroying in some degree the unity of christendom and the great revolutions of europe and america establishing democratic and representative governments this expansion and widening of the life of the european race beginning about five hundred years ago brought it into contact with the filipino people and the historical life of the philippines dates from this meeting of the two races thus the history of the philippines has become a part of the history of nations during these centuries the people of these islands subjects of a european nation have progressed in social life and government in education and industries in numbers and in wealth they have often been stirred by wars and revolutions by centuries of piratical invasion and fear of conquest by foreign nations but these dangers have now passed away there is no longer fear of piratical ravage nor of foreign invasion nor is there longer great danger of internal revolt for the philippines are at the present time under a government strong enough to defend them against other powers to put down plunder and ravage and one anxious and disposed to afford to the people such freedom of opportunity such advantages of government and life that the incentive to internal revolution will no longer exist secure from external attack and rapidly progressing toward internal peace the philippines occupy a position most fortunate among the peoples of the far east they have representative government freedom of religion and public education and what is more than all else to the aspiring or ambitious race or individual freedom of opportunity how history is written one other thing should be explained here every child who reads this book should understand a little how history is written a most natural inquiry to be made regarding any historical statement is how is this known and this is as proper a question for the schoolboy as for the statesman the answer is that history rests for its facts largely upon the written records made by people who either lived at the time these things took place or so near to them that by careful inquiry they could learn accurately of these matters and write them down in some form so that we to-day can read their accounts and at least know how these events appeared to men of the time but not all that a man writes or even puts in a book of things he has seen and known is infallibly accurate and free from error partiality and untruthfulness so the task of the historian is not merely to read and accept all the contemporary records but he must also compare one account with another weighing all that he can find making due allowance for prejudice and on his own part try to reach a conclusion that shall be true of course where records are few the task is difficult indeed and on the other hand material may be so voluminous as to occupy a writer a lifetime and make it impossible for any one man completely to exhaust a subject historical accounts of the philippines 
For the Philippines, we are so fortunate as to have many adequate sources of a reliable and attractive kind. In a few words, some of these will be described. Nearly all exist in at least a few libraries in the Philippines, where they may sometime be consulted by the Filipino student, and many of them, at least in later editions, may be purchased by the student for his own possession and study. The Voyages of Discovery European discovery of the Philippines began with the Great Voyage of Magellan, and recounting this discovery of the islands, there is the priceless narrative of one of Magellan's company, Antonio Pigafetta. His book was written in Italian, but was first published in a French translation. The original copies made by Pigafetta have disappeared, but in 1800 a text was discovered in the Ambrosian Library of Milan, Italy, and published. Translations into English and other languages exist. It may be found in several collections of voyages, and there is a good Spanish translation edition of recent date. There are several other accounts of Magellan's voyage, but Pigafetta's was the best one written by an eyewitness, and his descriptions of the Bisaya Islands, Cebu, Borneo, and the Moluccas are wonderfully interesting and accurate. There were several voyages of discovery between Magellan's time, 1521, and Legaspi's time, 1565. These include the expeditions of Loisa, Saavedra, and Villalobos. Accounts of them are to be found in Volume 5 of the series of publications made by the Spanish government, Colección de Documentos Inéditos del Archivo de Indias. In another series, Colección de los Viajes y Descubrimientos, are the documents of Magellan's voyage. Spanish Occupation and Conquest As we come to the history of Spanish occupation and conquest of the Philippines, we find many interesting letters and reports sent by both soldiers and priests to the king or to persons in Spain. The first complete book on the Philippines was written by a missionary about 1602, Father Pedro Chirinos, Relacion de las Islas Filipinas, printed in Rome in 1604. This important and curious narrative is exceedingly rare, but a reprint, although rude and poor, was made in Manila in 1890, which is readily obtainable. The Relacion de las Islas Filipinas was followed in 1609 by the work of Judge Antonio de Morga, Sucesos de las Islas Filipinas. This very rare work was printed in Mexico. In 1890, a new edition was brought out by Dr. Jose Rizal from the copy in the British Museum. There is also an English translation. These two works abound in curious and valuable information upon the Filipino people as they were at the time of the arrival of the Spaniards, as does also a later work, the Conquistas de las Islas Filipinas, by Friar Gaspar de San Agustin, printed in Madrid in 1698. This latter is perhaps the most interesting and most important early work on the Philippine Islands. As we shall see, the history of the Philippines is closely connected with that of the East Indian Spice Islands. When the Spanish forces took the rich island of Ternate in 1606, the triumph was commemorated by a volume, finely written, though not free from mistakes, the Conquista de las Islas Malucas, by Leonardo de Argansola, Madrid, 1609. There is an old English translation and also French and Dutch translations. To no other religious order do we owe so much historical information as to the Jesuits. The scholarship and literary ability of the company have always been high.
Chirino was a Jesuit, as was also Father Francisco Collin, who wrote the Labor Evangelica, a narrative of the Jesuit missions in the Philippines, China, and Japan, which was printed in Madrid in 1663. This history was continued years later by Father Murillo Velarde, who wrote what he called the Segunda Parte, the Historia de la Provincia de Filipinas de la Compañía de Jesús, Manila, 1749. There is another notable Jesuit work to which we owe much of the early history of the great island of Mindanao. This is the Historia de Mindanao y Holo by Father Francisco Combes. The year 1663 marked, as we shall see, an epoch in the relations between the Spaniards and the Mohammedan Malays. In that year, the Spaniards abandoned the fortress of Zambanga and retired from southern Mindanao. The Jesuits had been the missionaries in those parts of the southern archipelago, and they made vigorous protests against the abandonment of Moro territory. One result of their efforts to secure the reoccupancy of these fortresses was the notable work mentioned above. It is the oldest and most important writing about the island and the inhabitants of Mindanao. It was printed in Madrid in 1667. A beautiful and exact edition was brought out a few years ago by Retana. A Dominican missionary, Father Diego Aduarte, wrote a very important work, the Historia de la Provincia del Santo Rosario de la Orden de Predicadores en Filipinas, Japón y China, which was printed in Manila at the College of Santo Tomas in 1640. We may also mention as containing a most interesting account of the Philippines about the middle of the 17th century, the famous work on China by the Dominican Father Fernandez Navarrete, Tratados Históricos, Políticos, Étnicos y Religiosos de la Mon Monarquía de China, Madrid, 1767. Navarrete arrived in these islands in 1648 and was for a time a cura on the island of Mindoro. Later he was a missionary in China and then professor of divinity in the University of Santo Tomas. His work is translated into English in Churchill's Collection of Voyages and Travels, London, 1744, second volume. The 18th century is rather barren of interesting historical matter. There was considerable activity in the production of grammars and dictionaries of the native languages, and more histories of the religious orders were also produced. These latter, while frequently filled with sectarian matter, should not be overlooked. Between the years 1788 and 1792 was published the voluminous Historia General de Filipinas in 14 volumes by the Recollect Friar, Father Juan de la Concepcion. The work abounds in superfluous matter and trivial details, yet it is a copious source of information, a veritable mine of historical data, and is perhaps the best known and most frequently used work upon the Philippine Islands. There are a number of sets in the Philippines which can be consulted by the student. Some years after, and as a sort of protest against so extensive a treatment of history, the sane and admirable Augustinian, Father Joaquin Martinez de Zuniga, wrote his Historia de las Islas Filipinas, a volume of about 700 pages. It was printed in Sapaloc, Manila, in 1803. This writer is exceptional, 
for his fair-mindedness and freedom from the narrow prejudices which have characterized most of the writers of the Philippines. His language is terse and spirited, and his volume is the most readable and in many ways the most valuable attempt at a history of the Philippines. His narrative closes with the English occupation of Manila in 1763. Recent Histories and Other Historical Materials The sources for the conditions and history of the islands during the last century differ somewhat from the preceding. The documentary sources in the form of public papers and reports are available, and there is considerable mass of pamphlets dealing with special questions in the Philippines. The publication of the official journal of the government, the Gazeta de Manila, commenced in 1861. It contains all acts of legislation, orders of the governors, pastoral letters, and other official matters down to the end of Spanish rule. A vast amount of material for the recent civil history of the islands exists in the archives of the Philippines at Manila, but these documents have been very little examined. Notable among these original documents is the series of royal cedulas, each bearing the signature of the king of Spain, Yo el Rey. They run back from the last years of sovereignty to the commencement of the 17th century. The early cedulas on the establishment of Spanish rule are said to have been carried away by the British Army in 1763 and to be now in the British Museum. Of the archives of the Royal Audencia at Manila, the series of judgments begins with one of 1603, which is signed by Antonio de Morga. From this date, they appear to be complete. The earliest records of the cases which came before this court can, that can be found date from the beginning of the 18th century. Of modern historical writings, Mention must be made of the Historia de Filipinas, three volumes, 1887, by Montero y Vidal, and the publications of W. E. Retana. To the scholarship and enthusiasm of this last author much is owed. His work has been the republication of rare and important sources. His edition of Combes has already been mentioned, and there should also be mentioned, and if possible procured, his Archivo del Bibliophilo Filipino. Four volumes, a collection of rare papers on the islands of different dates, and his edition, the first ever published, of Zuniga's Estadismo de las Islas Filipinas, an incomparable survey of the islands made about 1800 by the priest and historian whose history was mentioned above. Accounts of Voyagers Who Visited the Philippines. These references give some idea of the historical literature of the Philippines. They comprise those works which should be chiefly consulted. There should not be omitted the numerous accounts of voyagers who have visited these islands from time to time, and who frequently give us very valuable information. The first of these are perhaps the English and Dutch freebooters, who prowled about these waters to waylay the richly laden galleons. One of these was Dampierre, who about 1690 visited the Ladrones and the Philippines. His new voyage around the world was published in 1697. There was also Anson, who in 1743 took the Spanish galleon off the coast of Samar, and whose voyage is described in a volume published in 1745. There was an Italian physician, Carreri, who visited the islands in 1697 in the course of a voyage around the world, and who wrote an excellent description of the Philippines, which was printed in English translation in Churchill's Collection of Voyages. A French expedition visited the East between 1774 and 1781, and the commissioner, Monsieur Sonnerat, has left a brief 
account of the Spanish settlements in the islands as they then appeared. Voyage aux Indes Orientales et à la Chine, Paris, 1782, Volume 3. There are a number of travelers' accounts written in the last century, of which may be mentioned Sir John Bowring's visit to the Philippine Islands, 1859, and Jagor's Racen in der Philippinen, travels in the year 1859 and 1860, which has received translation into both English and Spanish. Bibliographies. For the historical student, a bibliographical guide is necessary. Such a volume was brought out in 1898 by Ritana, Catalogo Abreviado de la Biblioteca Filipina. It contains a catalog of 5,780 works, published in or upon the Philippines. A still more exact and useful bibliography has been prepared by the Honorable T. H. Pardo de Tavera, Biblioteca Filipina, and is published by the United States Government. It is lamentable that the Philippines government possesses no library of works on the archipelago. The foundation of such an institution seems to have been quite neglected by the Spanish government, and works on the Philippines are scarcely to be found, except as they exist in private collections. The largest of these is said to be that of the Compañía General de Tabacos at Barcelona, which has also recently possessed itself of the splendid library of Ritana. In Manila, the Honorable Dr. Pardo de Tavera possesses the only notable library in the islands. The publication of a very extensive series of sources of Philippine history has also been begun by the Arthur H. Clark Company in the United States under the editorship of Miss E. H. Blair and Mr. J. A. Robertson. The series will embrace 55 volumes and will contain in English translations all available historical matter on the Philippines, from the age of discovery to the 19th century. This notable collection will place within the reach of the student all the important sources of his country's history, and will make possible a more extensive and accurate writing of the history of the islands that has ever before been possible. In addition to the published works, there repose numerous unstudied documents of Philippine history in the archives of the Indies at Seville, historical work for the Filipino student. After reading this book or a similar introductory history, the student should procure, one by one, as many as he can of the volumes which have been briefly described above, and by careful reading and patient thought, try to round out the story of his country and learn the lessons of the history of his people he will find it a study that will stimulate his thought and strengthen his judgment. But always he must search for the truth, even though the truth is sometimes humiliating and sad. If there are regrettable passages in our own lives, we cannot find either happiness or improvement in trying to deny to ourselves that we have done wrong, and so conceal and minimize our error. So if there are dark places in the history of our land and people, we must not obscure the truth in the mistaken belief that we are defending our people's honor. Or, by trying to conceal the fact and excuse the fault, we only add to the shame. It is by frank acknowledgment and clear depiction of previous errors that the country's honor will be protected now and in the future. Very interesting and important historical work can be done by the Filipino student in his own town or province. The public and parish records have in many towns suffered neglect or destruction. In all possible cases, these documents should be gathered up and cared for. For many things, they are worthy of study. They may show the growth of population, the dates of erection of the public buildings, the former system of government, and social conditions. This is a work in which the patriotism of every young 
man and woman can find an expression. Many sites throughout the islands are notable for the historic occurrences which they witnessed. These should be suitably marked with tablets or monuments, and the exact facts of the events should take place, and the exact facts of the events that took place should be carefully collected and put in writing. Towns and provinces should form public libraries containing, among other works, books on the Philippines, and it should be a matter of pride to the young Filipino scholar to build up such local institutions and to educate his townsmen in their use and appreciation. But throughout such studies, the student should remember that his town or locality is of less importance, from a patriotic standpoint, than his country as a whole, that the interests of one section should never be placed above those of the archipelago, and that, while his first and foremost duty is to his town and to his people, among whom he was born and nurtured, he owes a greater obligation to his whole country and people, embracing many different islands in different tongues, and to the great government which holds and protects the Philippine Islands, and which is making possible the free development of its inhabitants. End of chapter 1